Welcome to Finding Flow, where your hosts, George Russian and John Honeycutt, guide you on topics related to finding and achieving the optimal state of human consciousness known as flow state. They will share principles of neuroscience and peak performance, offering practical takeaways and actionable challenges to support you in finding your flow. And now, here are your hosts, George and John. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to episode 10 of Finding Flow. I am here with John today. And uh, John, I feel feel very good this morning. Uh, We just had a nice little little pre-show chat. Uh, I feel like you and I are uh, extra connected this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited to get into our conversation about Wu Wei. Yeah, me too. Good morning, George. Good morning, beloved listeners. I'm excited about this conversation as well. I think we're going to take the we're going to take what's already been a deep and profound conversation to another level that I uh, I really really hope and trust that people will be inspired by. Uh, we we will we will. Uh, but before we do, uh, is there anything, John? What's been what's been happening? What are what are you what are you up to outside of studying Wu Wei? Yeah, um, I am. It's been a year for me since I certified with the uh, inimitable Brendan Burchard and his High Performance Institute. I have been a certified high performance coach over the last year and have coached, um, gosh, at least 40 people through that curricula, some of them a couple of times. And every year I have an opportunity to renew. So because of COVID and quarantine, we're doing that virtually. So this week I am uh, meeting with fellow high-performance coaches from around the world, training with Brendan Burchard and, and doing that recertification process. Um, I'm still coaching my cohort through flow and peak performance. And uh, I am engaged in a course of study with another flow expert, a gentleman named Jamie Wheel, who's uh, releasing a book next month called Recapture the Rapture, which is about um, really it's like a new way of being in our world that is responsible for all of the challenges that we're facing, but also being empowered, leveraging neuroscience, ancient philosophy, much like the conversation we're going to have today. Um, uh, you always have so much going on. I'm always, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I would, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous, not, but that's good. It sounds like you are, you're always in, in, in the work, John. Um, I have been, uh, also working. I'm in the in the process of working with my uh, development team on a big uh, big undertaking, which we'll get to a little later in the in the episode, I think. Um, and then outside of that, uh, let's see. I'm on a different computer today. I don't have a mouse. Uh, I'm trying to get everything out that's in, in running in the background out. <laughs> um, but other other than that, I think we're good. I think we're good. To I go. think our no. listeners want to know what angle or perspective we have on George's face and mustache today. And because he's on a different computer, we're coming a little bit below. We're getting kind of the chin and this underside of the mustache view. Whoever whoever designed the laptop with the camera at the bottom down by the keys, yeah, it's coming up at my face, and then I can like see myself type in the camera. I just I think this was designed by an ear, nose and throat specialist from what I can see. <laughs> All right. Um, you look very healthy by the way. <laughs> from this angle. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so we'll get into, uh, John, we're going to talk about Wu Wei today. What, what, um, why, why are we, t- why are we talking about Wu Wei today? 
Yeah, so Wu Wei, which we'll we'll define in in some detail here in just a moment, is a is a philosophical concept that comes from sort of ancient Chinese philosophy, specifically from the philosophy of Taoism. Um, is a real beautiful correlate to the concepts of flow state, and the reason we are having this conversation is I want to have both of us through this conversation illustrate the correlation and overlay between. Wu Wei and flow state, and through looking at these two different um, things, these two different concepts—one coming from an ancient wisdom tradition, thousands of years old; the other coming from the most modern neuroscience and, and uh, flow psychology—see what shows up in the world of action and doing, and hopefully inspire our listeners to a new way of being with their work. And the things that they are doing and being in action on each day. Yeah, if I, I know you, you probably have some similar experiences uh, to me uh, with regards to uh, work and life, and the uh, uh, in quotation marks work life balance, and uh, how how that sh- how that works for you, and then certainly how it works for other people, people that you coach, uh, people that I. Uh, work with and have have worked with um it's uh it can be a bit of a mess so that's that's sometimes (laughs) so so that's uh i would say the driving force behind why why we're why we're talking about what we're talking about today is Mm -hmm. how how do how do we how do we actually interact with all the all the all the stuff that we have going on and it doesn't have to be work it could be relationship stuff it could whatever it is right there's so um, i think before you move on george mm-hmm. the, i'm really glad you brought up work-life balance when i was at uh when i was working at microsoft back in the <clears throat> 90s and 2000s work-life balance was a term that was bandied around quite a bit hence it's been um sort of disproven it's not like a, this is not a real thing it's not possible to get work-life balance and on the face of it it contrasts life like being alive being passionate being open and having existence with work so that when you're working, you're, you're not alive. Um, This is a horrible, horrible distinction. With the quarantine due to COVID, I think those lines have gotten even more and more blurred. And I think this whole dichotomy that we have in our culture between here's the times that I'm quote unquote working and here's the times that I'm quote unquote living is exactly why we're having this episode today to try to actually put the, to show the fallacy of that thinking. Yes. Oh, well, yes, we will, we will address work-life balance. Um, uh, should we talk a little bit about what, let's start with Taoism, where Wu Wei comes from, and uh, yeah, and then we'll get into Wu Wei. So we, let's, we'll kind of set the table a little bit so that uh, for folks that, Wu Wei is probably not a term that you throw around uh, every day in your in your it, in your work life balance cycle, and so uh, let's let's start by kind of setting the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Taoism. The first thing I want to say is like sometimes you'll see the word Tao spelled with a T, sometimes with a D. It's when it's translated into English, it has different uh, transliterations, but it's typically pronounced like with a D sound. Uh, and we use that word, the Tao, like the Tao of this or the Tao of that. Um, it's, it's made its way into business and lots of other arenas of our modern Western life. Um, and the Tao is 
the way. It's like the way of the universe. It kind of is like the the source or the pattern or the substance of everything. We're part of the Tao, according to this Chinese philosophy, Taoism. Um, Taoism arose in China back during what was called the Warring States period. And uh, it was one of two major, I won't say like state religions, but these were sort of the two big philosophies. The other one, if you go, if you remember, George, when I was a kid, we used to have Confucius says jokes. Did you have those? I, I, uh, I vaguely remember the I, my introduction to to Taoism was the 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 Tao of Pooh. Yeah, uh, if you remember, the, I think there were I think there was more than one book, but that was where Winnie the Pooh was like was the central character, and he was he was just the uh, he was the example of of Wu Wei, uh, and that so that that was my introduction to, to Taoism. But anyway, absolutely, uh, yeah. Benjamin Hoff uh, wrote the Tao of Pooh, and then the other book you're referring to is the Day of Piglet. Um, day meaning virtue. Uh, or sort of the natural character of. Um, those were really, really beautiful introductions to Taoism. And they talk about how Taoism is different from Confucianism or Confucianism. For our conversation, the distinction between Taoism and Confucianism is that Confucianism is more akin to what you would see in a time management or productivity training or coaching module today. It's a lot about rules, rituals, routines, you must, you know, here's your savers for your morning routine. Here's exactly the prescribed. If you're a high performer, you get up at 5 a.m. and you're in the 5 a.m. club. That's a very Confucianist, which is where Kung Fu comes from. It's Kung Fu Say was the guy who created it, Confucius. Um, Taoism, on the other hand, is much more spontaneous, much more what I would call natural. Uh, it's about becoming one with the unplanned rhythms of life. Um, this this uh, originally started with a book called the I Ching, the Book of Changes, uh, and then Lao Tzu uh, apocryphally is credited with writing. We don't know if Lao Tzu actually existed or not. We think he did, but uh, the book called the Tao Te Ching, a very short but wisdom filled book that talks about the uh, the Tao, and that's where Wu Wei comes in. One of the main themes of Taoism. Um. Jeez, I, I read uh, some Lao Tzu as well. He had a quote. Yeah, I'll just I'll share a quote because uh, I know you I know you you might later. <laughs> but he said uh, one one thing that was written: uh, If you're depressed, you live in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. But if you're at peace, you're living in the present. And I I thought that was a. Um, uh, a, a, a wonderful way to kind of uh, sum up what we're what we're what we're interested in is is really 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 uh, living in the moment. Uh, it's a lot of what we'll what we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correlating that to flow state and the preconditions of getting into neurological or consciousness state of flow. If you're, we talked about cognitive load on one of our earlier episodes. If you're dealing with the past or you're concerned about the future, or you're attached to outcome, which is necessarily in the future, you won't be present. Therefore, your focus and engagement, which is core for getting into flow, will be lacking. And therefore, you won't be in flow state. More than likely, you'll be in a struggle phase, or you'll be in uh, some form of overwhelm or stress. So I love that quotation. And that's just one of the many ways that flow and, excuse me, uh, Taoism and Wu Wei correlate really beautifully with with the flow state 
and then I think um, I think we probably have some distinctions we want to share. I I, I know that um, before we got on, we kind of talked about some of the maybe ways that Wu Wei is misinterpreted because uh, it's looked at as kind of the I don't know the the art of doing nothing or or or, or something like that. It's described in a whole in a whole bunch of different ways, but um, there is a uh, a uh, kind of a common maybe misunderstanding that it's about not just it's just about not doing things or it's about being lazy or doing less or or something 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 to that effect when in reality it's much more about uh, uh, I would say kind of the apex of efficiency. Mm. Um, it is, it's kind of, it's kind of how I, the, the more I thought about it and the more I thought about pr- like practical applications where I've seen Wu Wei work in my own life, it's productivity times a hundred, uh, but not, but not feeling in the moment, like, uh, you know, you're, you're banging your head against a wall, uh, quite the opposite, actually, like it, it that mm-hmm. is, uh, it's, it's f- flow in in uh in in your work mm-hmm. yeah i love that um let's actually define what wu-wei is uh so wu-wei i would say is the, the probably the number one distinction of the philosophy of taoism and it's literally translated into english as no action or non-action or more directly like the action of no action and just you know right out of the gate i want to provide sort of two cautions or two uh caveats to our listeners. One is that we're talking about Taoism and Wu Wei. And while I I would consider myself a proponent of Taoism, and I I believe that my life is sort of guided by, at least in part, by Taoist thought, we're not um, trying to recruit or enroll people into becoming Taoist or creating a Taoist society here. Um, We're just, we're looking at it. Um, The other thing is that a lot of Chinese or Asian thought from this time is, to our minds, paradoxical. So just wanted to throw that disclaimer out at the beginning that some of these concepts are by nature paradoxical because of the way that we've been indoctrinated in our culture and our society. So the idea, to jump back to Wu Wei, of the action of no action sounds paradoxical. Um, I like to translate it as effortless action. And the way you described it, George, of the apex of efficiency, I think is spot on. And this is where I think you can see that flow, like flow state, and Wu Wei are really one and the same. They're coming, one's coming from the lens of a millennia old philosophy from the East, and the other is coming through the lens of hyper modern, cutting edge neuroscience from the West. And there's a lot of overlap there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is a. Um, a a very uh, a stripped down um, uh, philosophy, I would say. A lot a lot of what uh, I've read, even even thinking back to the uh, the Tao of Pooh and the Day of Piglet, uh, is very simple ideas. Uh, so simple, in fact, that I, I I couldn't have been fourteen, maybe when I I think <laughs> when I read that book, and they resonated with me, and I understood. Uh, the message in a uh, in a in a in a in a deep way, like it wasn't it wasn't hard to grasp, and I think that uh, 
there is sometimes a uh, uh, an, an an expectation or a desire for the answer to be hard or complicated or for you really to have to work to find what you're looking for and and um uh it's a very it's a it's a it's a very simple uh philosophy as far as understanding it and practicing it as a different mm-hmm. different uh kettle of fish but uh it's a very very simple philosophy i think to understand mm-hmm. yeah Wu Wei is by its very nature about harmony and simplicity and i would say more than anything it's about spontaneity but i think i think you're right the big the challenge for people in our culture in dealing with wu wei i think is similar to i know some of our audience some of the people that i coach or some of the people that listen to the podcast have gone through landmark work and similar to that when people get one of the core tenets of werner Earhart's work of be, of life being meaningless empty and meaningless it's easy to go to the other side and go to nihilism. And I think a lot of people struggle with that when they first are confronted with the idea that life is meaningless. They go to, there is no meaning at all. Whereas it's really an artful balance of getting that you're putting the meaning on things and it's your responsibility to ascribe a meaning that's empowering. It's the same with the action of no action or Wu Wei. We're so action-focused that when we hear that the action is to do nothing, we immediately say, oh, okay, well, that means I'm going to quit my job and go live on the beach and be a bum, be lazy, be apathetic, and not give a crap about the world. That's a a radical counterbalance to what's actually being um, presented. I thought of... um, uh while you were while you were talking there, the I, at this point I don't know if it's an old wives' tale or not, but about one of the old Apollo uh, space missions, where there was a whole bunch of money that was put into uh, R and D on a a pen that would work in space, so that the astronauts could take notes, um, and they couldn't quite get it to work, and then uh, somebody introduced a, a pencil. <laughs> what if you just use this pencil, and then uh, <laughs> you could. You can write wherever you want, upside down. Doesn't gravity doesn't doesn't matter. And um, I, I uh, it made uh, it's just one of the things I thought about when we were we were uh, uh, kind of setting up for this episode as a a perfect example of let's like you don't always have to uh, try so hard or reinvent the the uh, reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the hallmarks of the Wu Wei distinction is an economy of energy and a kind of a a perfect knowledge of the situation or awareness of reality. Uh, Your your example there of of the Apollo mission is beautiful because it's like you're you're out of touch. You've got tunnel vision. You're so focused on trying to solve this thing that you haven't taken a step back and looked at like, what what would natural look like? Well, let's use a pencil. That's a beautiful example. Um, So let... I, I I have a uh, an inkling like I, I would like to start jumping into some of the uh, some of the distinctions John between kind of the uh, more the more gentle nature we'll say of Wu Wei the more flowing nature of Wu Wei and some of the um, f- kind of forcing actions that we often take in life <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I- instead of going going with the flow. Um, yeah. 
I think that's a really natural contrast when you when you see how Wu Wei and flow overlay, then looking at power versus force or gentleness versus striving or spontaneity versus control is a really exciting conversation to have. Before we jump there, I just want to create two quick things with regard to flow state and how that then correlates to Wu Wei, since we've just distinguished you know, sort of a Taoist thought is at a very, very high level, obviously, and then a little bit about a very complex distinction, Wu Wei. Flow, um, I, I go back to the book Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. They introduced, I think, a very useful acronym, S-T-E-R, or STIR, and that's a description of what happens in flow state, and that's selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. And that effortlessness one, the E in stir is what I want to point to because Wu Wei is that effortless action. It's not that you're not working. It's that it's effortless. It occurs to you psychologically as effortless. Um, one of the preconditions that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi talks about in Flow, his book, is the merger of action and awareness. And that's a really useful point because that is what Wu Wei means. There is a, there's a point before you're in flow where there's you as the actor doing the action, and then there's the action, and then there's your awareness of being, I'm doing the action, I'm working on this budget report. Here's me, the worker, typing on a keyboard, moving a mouse in my case, in George's case, no, he doesn't have a mouse today, and then I'm doing this work. And that separation creates stress. That creates trauma in a way. But then there's a moment if you get into a flow state where all of a sudden there's not you and the work, there's just the work. <clears throat> when I'm writing, it's like that. When I'm playing guitar, it's like that. There's a moment where it's not me and a guitar and music. It's just music. And that is a beautiful example of Wu Wei, when action and awareness merge and the actor becomes the action. And um, uh, yeah, I, li I like that. I like that distinction uh, a lot. I there's a um, a uh, I uh, as you're speaking, I was thinking of I was thinking of cycling, and um, there are uh, uh, f folks who ride bikes, or maybe even folks who are into like car racing or, or something like that are familiar with uh, with drafting, um, which is essentially. Uh, when you're riding a bike, there is a uh, if you're behind another cyclist, uh, you can sit in their uh, in their draft, which is essentially like an open uh, open pocket of air. So they're they're doing a bunch of work. They're they're they are uh, pushing air out of the way uh, as they ride their bike, and you can kind of slip in right behind them. Uh, almost your your front wheel is right right behind uh, their back wheel. You could get like super close, uh, depending on how comfortable you are uh, with doing that, um, and you can do significantly uh, less work. And you'll see um, uh, how dramatic the effect of drafting or not drafting is a lot of times. If, you, uh, if you're at all into uh, bike racing, you'll see um, uh, a lot of times what they call echelons are formed where riders are sometimes riding uh, instead of just right behind each other, uh, almost uh, next to each other because there are winds that are coming from the side um, and they work in almost a, um, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like a circular rotation. So they're all taking equal time 
uh, working against the wind and then not, and then working against the wind and then not, and they they'll they'll rate, rotate through. And the people who are really really good at that, uh, they tend to be um, uh, some of the most uh, the more experienced. Uh, 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 bike racers, and so I almost feel like in the show notes I'll need to link to a video to to kind of show the uh, how how extreme uh, this could be. But anyway, uh, point being that the better that you could get at uh, not necessarily like I don't I don't need to do all of the work and be in the wind the whole time all by myself. What would actually be much uh, much smarter for me and for all the all the all the races around me is if we all do five five or ten percent of the work. And we and we and we 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 do that together. We can do that all day. We mm-hmm. can we can do that type of activity all, uh, all day. That's um, three things, my friend. That is a beautiful example of flow and group flow. It's a beautiful example of Wu Wei, and it really really illustrates that the the Taoist were naturalist, and they got their inspiration for their philosophies from observing nature. And you know that the the drafting on bikes comes from observing the flight patterns of birds, of migratory birds. You observe what's happening in the natural world, and then you apply that in a way to something from a performance perspective to great effect. Um, What do you think for the person who's drafting, what do you think the reduction in effort looks like as a percentage maybe? In in that type of extreme scenario where there's heavy mm-hmm. side side winds, um, it's uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty dramatic. The the person uh, that is uh, not the folks that are not in the in the wind uh, is what what you, what you might say uh, are doing 60 percent of the work. Uh, maybe less in some in some instances when the when the wind is, is 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 really really heavy and so you take turns at the front and you'll see that in cycling in in all scenarios uh, there will be people that will take turns at the front um, even if you're going in a straight line and there's minimal uh, wind uh, you do a lot a lot less work uh, 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 wheel sucking is pro- <laughs> not a beautiful term but that's <laughs> what uh uh what it what it's what it's called if like if if john if you and i were out riding a bike uh together and you sat behind me you you could uh you feel it uh you actually feel the draft i could feel your body heat uh when i'm close enough and i i and i could also feel uh i could see that you're you're pedaling and you're clearly working really hard and i i can um uh i I could i could freewheel so i could stop pedaling in in some cases because i'm I, I just don't need to work that hard because you're, mm-hmm. you're doing all that work. This is this is a crucial distinction for peak performance. And what we're pointing to is that I, I think there's a mythology or an illusion that work is work, that all work is equal, that to produce one unit of output takes one unit of input. But that drafting or wheel sucking um, example shows that no, the amount of input is completely variable. And so what that points to is the need for intelligence and intentionality. Don't just grind away and push and struggle when you have very low efficiency, which is, I, you know, I assert most of the people that I'm working with or most of the people that are out in the corporate world right now are just really pushing at very low levels of effectiveness versus looking for things like, how can we draft? How can we wheel suck? Or as the birds call it, they call it tail feather sucking, by the way. 
and, and it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, uh, it's the last thing I'll say about cycling, at least for now, um, since the, this podcast is not about that. Um, when you're in a in a in an environment where everyone is capable of uh, superhuman levels of of uh, of output, so it, when you're watching a cycling race, everyone is really really fit. They're all really good. Any anyone the worst the worst uh, I, I I saw a uh, uh, a, uh, a a breakdown of uh, a Tour de France from maybe 2017 or 2018, and the uh, it was a, a really challenging hill stage, right? And the person that finished last in the pro peloton, the last, the last, the 160th place or whatever it was, uh, they would have had a better time than the, this, uh, like super high, uh, high level amateur race that happened a week later that they, they would have, they would have won that race going away by, by minutes mm. and minutes. And so when everyone's at that level, you necessarily have to find ways to be clever and to not do as much work as the next person, because you need to have uh, as much in the in the in the gas tank, so to speak, or as much as much reserves as possible. It doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you know bang your head against a wall and or the wind in this case, because mm-hmm. uh, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get the results that you that you want. Um, and so you, that's I think part of the reason you see that. Yeah, one of the I think the the statement uh, work smarter not harder would be considered like a Taoist statement, although it's so trite that people don't hear it anymore. So that's why, again, that's why we're having this conversation. Lao Tzu, the, the guy who, you know, apparently wrote the Tao Te Ching has a quote that says, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. So there is, there, you talked about this in a previous episode about preserving energy and being economical in your energy use as a key tenant of peak performance. The, the Tour de France is not about muscling your way through and being the fastest person on the sprint. It's about playing for the long game. And in that case, you have to bring skill. You have to bring cleverness. You have to bring intelligence and intentionality. That is a, that's a core element of Wu Wei, as well as being aware of reality being aware of your natural rhythms, being aware of your emotions, being aware of your energy, which fluctuates, being aware of your environment. You know, we've all been in that situation where we're like, okay, I've scheduled time for myself to go deep on this project. And then our spouse has an emergency or something comes up and they need us. You can, you know, you have a choice. Are you going to push and try to grind away what you were going to do? Or are you going to be adaptable to what's showing up in the moment? And I think part of this, um, part of the, um, in, in a lot of ways, we can set this up for ourselves, John. I think I was thinking a lot about uh, some of the discussions that we've had on previous episodes uh, around uh, around environment. So, w- what allows you to do exactly what you're talking about there to, to step away when there is an emergency is um, having a uh, having an environment and having. Um, Hates. I don't want to say systems. That's. Uh, but you have. Uh, you have your your stuff together uh, outside of outside of that moment. So you have your 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 time blocks and and your and your calendar set up and you have meetings set up and so your your day is. Um, uh, there's no stress. Is what I'm what I'm getting at. There's no stress about just managing your day to day life. So when you need to. Uh, 
uh, come up with a kind of a, 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 an unnatural effort or a, a, a unique effort there, right? You need to support your spouse uh, when uh, something happens or you, there's trauma in your own life or something like that, and you need to, to respond to that. Um, everything else doesn't, doesn't fall apart, mm-hmm. uh, at least not right away. Right, uh, it, because uh, all those other plates can keep spinning for 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 a, a while uh, because you've you've set your you've set your life up that way. So I think that's that's important. I, I don't I don't want to lose sight of uh, of that in in this conversation because I think it's very easy for us to uh, uh, to talk about wu, talk about Wu Wei in such a way that it seems like okay, I can I can just. I can just do this, like the 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 um, example you made earlier about the you know the the, the CEO that's working eighty hours a week, but they have an aura ring, mm-hmm. or uh, or you know they go to they go to uh, Pilates twice a week, so they you know they got they got their health and fitness covered or something like that, which we know is not the case. And so, in the same way, Wu Wei is not. Uh, um, uh, it, it, it's it's like putting a. Uh, it, it, you you don't want to treat it like putting a whipped cream on a on a on a poop pie as uh, as as one of I think both of one of we we both worked with the same uh, the same instructor that would use that <laughs> use that turn of phrase all the time and I loved it but that's oftentimes what we try to do with these things we try, okay I have an aura ring this will fix everything uh, if I okay I read I read uh, the Tao of Pooh my life is fixed it's and it's not quite that simple so I just I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we're not losing losing sight of all the other work that that kind of goes into making uh, Wu Wei possible yeah it's a really it's a really fair point George there's a there's a macro ve- or big picture view that we have to be responsible for and then there's the in the moment view so I think one of my intentions for our listeners to this episode would be one start exploring and leaning into what it would be like to be more spontaneous, more adaptable, more in the moment, more in the flow, more drafting, you know, in the way that you're working, looking for the pencil rather than trying to create a pen for outer space, those kinds of solutions. At the same time, over time, moving towards a context and an environment for your life that will support adaptability and spontaneity. Like having the responsibility for creating that, I think is imperative. But um, I think where most people get stuck is that they don't know how to start because they're so in the mode of being reactive. I respond and react to every crisis and emergency that comes up. So I haven't built that. At some point, people just need to start coming more from a, I'm being aware of what's happening. I'm listening to my intuition. I'm listening to my gut. I'm being, I'm acting in congruence with my level of energy in this moment and start honoring that sort of more Wu Wei or flow centric approach. And then you'll start to get the big picture aligned over time. You have to start somewhere. I, should I, I, I feel like we should, should we talk about that? Like what, what is, what would, what would step one be? What would step one be for someone who's doing nothing right now, but not nothing in a good way? But <laughs> uh, uh, someone who's who's uh, this concept is brand new. Yeah, I would. I think. I think. Let's create some. There's some metaphors that I think are really useful that expand upon this idea of using skill, using efficiency, using awareness of the environment in a way to have that variability of the energetic 
expenditure necessary to produce the output. In other words, it doesn't all have to be 100% effort. Some people can be at 5% in your, in your cycling example. Um, one of the metaphors that I like a lot is the metaphor of the carpenter and cutting wood. When the carpenter is sawing, the saw is the thing doing the, the work. A good carpenter has the saw do the work. A bad carpenter does the work with his muscles. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I could say from experience is true. You want to cut with the grain. And again, this points to the, I think the core distinction of this conversation is that stop treating all action as the same. Cutting against the grain is action. Cutting with the grain is action. But one wears you out and overwhelms you and exhausts you. And the other uses a fraction of the energy is using cleverness, awareness, and skill is a more spontaneous action and produces the result in a more effective way. This is about peak performance. So we're not giving up or stepping away from producing the result. We're just looking at ways to do it that actually makes sense. Um, I love that. I, um, uh, I, uh, I think that there I'll, I'll let you, share this but uh the this the story that you had uh, you'd shared about the cook uh uh before i thought that was i thought that was really powerful too um to speak to not something necessarily just as simple as maybe cut, uh cutting with the with the grain but what maybe where that comes from some of the uh some of the experiences some of the experience and the kind of cleverness uh uh Maybe is a good way to put it. That uh, we, we could we could plug in to to, to help us achieve Wu Wei. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, cook Ding was a royal cook. Excuse me for the uh, for the emperor of China, and they were having some sort of a royal banquet. And the emperor is observing as Cook Ding takes his knife and effectively quarters or slaughters an ox and cuts it up for for the feast. But when he's doing it, the emperor observes that it's like watching it dance. It's almost like balletic and choreographed with precision and skill. And uh, the emperor comes and talks to the cook and says, your skill is amazing. But Cook Ding says, what I care about is the way, is Tao, which goes way beyond skill. And he says, when I first started, all I saw was the ox. And I think this is where most of us are at, right? All we see is the work that's in front of us. It's this giant ox-like project. But then Ding says, within three years, I no longer saw the whole ox. And then he says, now I no longer look with my eyes. I go with my spirit. And he says, perception and understanding have come to a stop and the spirit moves where it wants. This is from a flow and neuroscience perspective is the merger of action and awareness. Ding has reached a level of mastery that has him just be one with the ox as he's going through the process. And he says, I don't cut a a ligament or a tendon, much less a joint. For him, the knife is like infinitesimally small and it fits through these huge open spaces. And the, the last part of the story, my favorite part, he says he's giving an assessment of different kinds of cooks. And he says, you know, a good cook, a decent cook 
has to change his knife once a year. And you could think about changing the knife as taking a vacation or needing a break because you've, you've become overwhelmed or burned out. He said a mediocre cook has to change his knife every month because he's hacking and cutting and slashing and going against the, the natural grain of the animal. But Ding says, I've had this knife for 19 years and thousands of oxen, and it's still as fresh as if it just came from the whetstone. So that story to me really illustrates what we're talking about. And I think the challenge I want to issue our listeners is, how do you look at your work? How do you look at your life? How do you look at being in action from that perspective where there's a skillful application, a complete awareness and being with reality, a movement with what's natural and harmonious rather than a hacking and a slashing and a sawing and a cutting? I love that. I, I um, uh, Im- immediately thought about uh, like years of years of training uh, jujitsu, and, and I know we we talked a little bit about about uh, uh, martial arts before the episode. Um, the uh, so you guys can't can't see me, but I'm not I'm not an especially large uh, person, uh, and so one of the uh, one of the challenges of training jiu-jitsu is, uh, one, you realize very quickly that it, it is not magic. Uh, so um, size and strength uh, are very much real. It just it gives you uh, a, a little more, a, a more realistic uh, approach to dealing with size and strength, we'll say. And so what, one, of those, one of those approaches is, uh, okay, if, if someone who is uh, considerably heavier uh, than me, or maybe more, and, and maybe more skilled than me is, is, uh, is on top of me, how, how might I? How might I solve that problem? How might I get up off the ground? How might I get out of that? Get out from uh, from the bottom. And what almost always happens uh, when we start is we try to push that person off, and so we try to use our strength to to just move a, a ton of weight. Which, to be clear, could, that could work. That could work once or twice or something. But eventually, you're going to run out of energy. Eventually, I, I could only I could. Uh, well, one, I can't bench press 200 pounds, but uh, pretend I could, right? I could probably only do it a couple times. As you get more experience, you start to think about, well, what are the what are some other directions that are available to me? I could push up on this person. Could I go? Could I go uh, like side to side? Could I? Could I uh, go up like uh, up and down, like up up, meaning like north north or north or south? Um, could I move? How much easier would it be to move my body instead of theirs? Is 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 what you start to think about a, a, a lot, and um, all of a sudden, you're able to escape uh, situations that you were unable to, and you're able to do so with a minimal expenditure uh, of energy. And that's when you, f- for me, that's when jujitsu started to click. Is oh, I, I I now I under now I understand. Yeah, it's self-defense because uh, I get to use uh, my 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 wits and I get to use my body t- in order to escape uh, uh, precarious situations. And it's not a it, it, I, it stops being a game of uh, force versus force. Uh, but it's uh, uh, quite the opposite. That would make me might be like the drafting of, of jujitsu or, or something like that. I'm so um, I'm so excited by this example. I am I'm giddy that you brought this up, and I really love what you said. You said there's a moment when you're trying to push, and then you think, what if there are other directions available? This brings to mind your story about the pen and the pencil. 
how many of our listeners, how many of us are pushing and we just push in the same direction and we don't stop to think about it. When life pushes back, we just push harder and we wear ourselves out. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how strong you are, you can't just keep pushing. You have to start looking for what are the other options. And it creates this beautiful frame, which is Tim Ferriss, um, somebody that I follow a lot, has a saying that says, what if this were easy? And notice for a lot of people, like even saying that might feel like, might get equated with being lazy or something versus being skillful and effective and powerful. But if something's not easy, I'm not saying simplistic. I'm saying the experience of easefulness and effortfulness, like from stir, from flow, effortfulness, effortless action or easeful action. If it's not easy, stop doing it. Look for another direction. Find, a, find an escape route that actually makes more sense. That's such a beautiful, beautiful point. Um, yes, and that was uh, lots of trial and error behind that one, John. Lots of trial and error behind that Well, one. you see but this yes. with guys like Henzo Gracie back in the day, just dominating guys that were in a five weight classes above him because it's just such a different... What, what did they call uh, jiu-jitsu? It was like the, the gentle... Gen- yeah, the gentle art. The gentle yeah. art. Yeah. It reminds me of Aikido or um, like Tai Chi Chuan push hands where you see this like 90-year-old frail dude who may- maybe weighs 120 pounds soaking wet go up against a room full of young, strapping, muscular young men and they come at him with all of the muscular force, kind of the equivalent of that hacking with the knife. And he'll just direct the attention like with Aikido or judo just direct the attention in a different direct and they'll fly across the room that's what we're pointing to here that's masterful living i was going to say something about steven seagal but i will oh please I do <laughs> steven seagal practiced aikido that was that's his that was that's how he originally uh got popular uh, uh Unbelievably, really, in hindsight. But anyway, we'll we'll I digress. We'll we'll continue to 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 push forward. Um, Aikido, by the way, is one of those things that flow psychologists and neuroscientists recommend that people do or practice to get into flow because it's one of those interoceptive embodiment activities that really helps all. It helps HRV. It helps breathing. It helps body awareness, somatic awareness. Anyway, go ahead. So as we kind of we're. Uh, we're not coming up on time, but we're almost coming up on time. So I want to be I want to be mindful of that. Um, I wanted to circle back a little bit to the um, what I was talking about earlier about about environment. I, I think that there is, there are um, there are a couple things we we uh, we mentioned the uh, the person who's like work you know working a bunch of hours, but uh, they uh, you know buy an aura ring or something like that, and and, and the uh, point being like that the environment isn't really there for them to take advantage of the of the aura ring one one um awesome uh, uh analogy that i read that it really resonated with me with me was um thinking about uh planting a a seedling and how uh under under perfect conditions if you had just rich soil and perfect sunlight and uh per- the right amount of water uh, that you could plant that seedling, and you don't you don't really have to do too much. It, the seedling will do its its job, 
which, and, and it'll grow. And um, I think sometimes we think about, okay, well, you know, if there's no environment, you know, maybe the, the, the person who's working really hard and gets the aura ring, that's like put, maybe putting a, a seedling in some bad, you know, some bad soil or, or putting it on your concrete patio and expecting it to grow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then blaming the seedling when it doesn't do what you think it should do. There's a, there's a, a flip side of that too. I think for anyone who gardens, you can overwater, you can uh, use too much fertilizer, you can uh, plant the seedling in, a, in a, an area that has too much sunlight. And so, like we talked about earlier, there's a, uh, with the, um, what is it, the, the candle that burns bright, burns out twice as fast, or so, I'm, I'm butchering your, um, your, uh, your, your statement, but uh, uh, there's something about that, even with what we're talking about with Wu Wei, there's not a... Um, it's not it's not a secret hack in that you're necessarily going to get uh um be able to be able to work for 12 hours a day or or something like that that's not actually what we're what we're speaking to we're actually uh quite quite the opposite i think we're 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 talking about a a much more efficient uh uh way of approaching uh work and 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 really, and, and life. So we, we, we talked about at the beginning of the episode about that, the work-life uh, balance and um, how that's not, uh, that's not real, right? That's, or not, that's not necessarily desirable. I, I, would, I would argue for, for me, it is important to have a life, whether that's work or relationships or fun or whatever it is, that is uh, very... Uh, uh, that is that is meshed together really nicely. It's important to me that I love the people that I work with as much as I love the people that I spend time with outside of work. As much as I love my dog, as much as, as, much as I love my friends and my family, like so. It's it's important to me that all of that uh, is is cohesive, and so I, I you know I work towards that, and I've let go of work is this over here and it's different, and life is this and it's over here and it's and it and it's different. So. All that is to say, uh, there's a way that we. I, I, I want to be. I want to be clear that we're not trying to go uh, uh, in the direction of work twelve hours a day or something like that, or 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 put out put forth effort for, for for long hours and ignore other things. Yeah, absolutely. I think the model that we're pointing towards is a more human, compassionate, humane model, a more natural model, a model that would be. Um, you know, that you would observe in nature, in the natural world. In all of the examples, I love that, first off, I love that you created an agricultural or gardening model, because I think we come mostly in our society from an industrial model, where it's like produce, 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 conveyor belts and factories and machines, versus I'm cultivating something. I would love it if our listeners could make that switch from a I'm producing something to I'm cultivating something and look at action as a partnership. Like when you plant a seed, you're in partnership with the earth, you're in partnership with the seed, you're taking action, but you're not making something happen. When you're producing a Model T, you're making it happen. When you're planting a seed and growing a plant, you're shepherding, you're governing lightly the action of something. It's like the difference between sailing a ship or rowing a ship. One is in a partnership with the waves and the wind, and the action is working on the adjustment of the alignment of the sail, not hacking and thrusting with oars. 
and I, I think from a, you're right. And, and from the standpoint of, of, um, uh, people who coach like yourself, uh, and certainly for me, for a, a person who works with, works with other, other team members, there's a, um, there's a value in people in other folks cultivating ideas, discovering things for themselves that, uh, I, I just, I can't do. And you, I would, I would argue you can't do, or nobody, no teacher can, this is not to pick on anybody, but no, no, no teacher can. The, the best teachers, the best instructors in the world are those who are, are able to, uh, uh, create, create, uh, a landscape for that for that cultivation for their students to discover uh, on their own for people to mm-hmm. for the light bulb to go off. Um, we could take the best. We could have okay. We got the perfect definite definition of Wu Wei. Check. We have all the right metaphors. We have all the right notes. We have all the right boom boom boom. Right, and we can think we have it. But if the light bulb does not go off for the folks that are listening, then of what value is of, is that work? This right. is the so, this is the I think the core tenet of the Tao Te Ching is it was originally written as a book on governance, like how do you govern society or how do you govern people? And one of the verses talks about he who governs least. I know as a libertarian, you're going to love this, but he who, he who governs least governs best. Like when the, when the leader is doing his job correctly, the people all say, we have done it. You don't see the leader. And I love the distinction of coaching because the, the difference between a good coach and a masterful coach is that both will have an objective. Like when I go into a coaching session, I have a goal. I'm standing for something. But the second that session starts, there's no agenda. There's no goal. I am with the other person and I'm with in a dance in the conversation. It's completely Wu Wei. I have to let go of any attachment that I have to performance or to outcome the um, paradoxical part of that is that I will produce the outcome, or rather, I will cultivate or facilitate an outcome that the client creates for themselves in a much more powerful and consistent way than if I'm trying to, quote unquote, do something. So this is the Wu Wei or the Tao of coaching. And I assert that for everybody, it's the same. I'm not saying don't have goals. You have to have goals. I'm not saying don't have ambition. You have to have an ambition and an agenda but then when you show up and it's time, let go of it all and just be with what you're doing. Let's, um, should we get into some, some of our, ta- our takeaways before we get too far along? Yeah. Or do you- <clears throat> and then I, I would definitely want to share some of the growth edge things. But um, for me, the, the biggest takeaway here, I think is twofold. One is it's super cool that ancient wisdom and modern neuroscience are so tightly aligned on a path to happiness and performance that it's about easeful, effortless action. And the big thing for me, the big takeaway is less is more. Not less for less's sake, but less for efficiency and economy's sake. Especially if you're overwhelmed and exhausted and burnt out. You're working too hard. You're hacking. You're having to change your blade too much. So that's, that's my big takeaway. Uh, I love that. I my um, uh, my big takeaway. I, I would say don't don't be afraid to let go of 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 things of of processes of practices practices of um, 
tactics that have worked for you in the past, don't be afraid to let those go. Don't be afraid to reimagine uh, those things. Um, there are, uh, I would argue with, for, for anybody, there are things that we do because that's how we've gotten the job done for a long time. Um, the way the way you run a meeting, the way you write an email, the way you have a conversation with your parents or your spouse, the way that you, uh, whatever it is, the way that you drive, I don't know. I'll talk a little bit about this in the in the growth edge piece. I'll, t- I'll talk more about this in the growth edge piece, but don't be afraid to uh, let go of things, even if they are, in, in quotation marks, successful, because sometimes um, by, by reimagining uh, what you're already doing, you can create... Um, uh, uh, create create solutions, create efficiencies that you didn't even know uh, existed. It's brilliant. Look for the pencil. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Peak performance is about continually reinventing yourself, continually being present. Did I just put the seed on concrete? I've got to be present to that. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your growth edge? So I want to talk a little bit. I, my um. Uh, my development team is taking on a, uh, a super interesting undertaking. So um, uh, we've we've developed uh, uh, we've developed software in, in a very uh, I guess say traditional way, uh, uh, so, so to so to speak. Since I've uh, been with been with the company, and and so what that looks like is people kind of have their their work items, their tasks uh, that they're uh, that they're working on in any given moment, and we operate in a in an agile environment. And so we have a stand up every morning, and we get people unblocked with whatever they they have going on, and and um, it it work it works it works well. To be clear, uh, what we're taking on in our next uh, in our upcoming uh, uh, sprint, so which is a like basically a, just a two week block of time where we try to produce things uh where we're taking on in our next sprint is something called mob mob programming mob mob programming and uh what that looks like is that everyone on the development team works on the same uh same piece of code uh same same task uh all at the same time and uh there's a driver so that's the person who is actually uh um uh programming in any in an, at any at any time so they're typing on the keyboard we'll say the driver is the typer and everyone else on the team is responsible for uh, the inputs so they're uh, they're actually creating the code a, a, as we go and um, everything that I've read and everything that I've uh, 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 listened to on the on the on the uh, on the on the topic uh, all they talk about is the efficiencies uh, not having to work on something on your own that you're not necessarily experienced with. And then you have to stop and you have to uh, research something on your own and you have to ask questions and you uh, uh, of someone and up, oh, they're not available. So now I have to wait an hour before I can get back into this. And there's a, a cost associated with uh, starting something and stopping something and, and, and switching uh, context uh, all, all day. Everyone is working on the same thing together. People can research things in real time, even if the group doesn't know. Uh, you can leverage the senior members of the of the development team. Um, you can see how the senior members of the de- development team get their work done. How do they research things? How do they um, uh, or organize their workspace? Whatever it is, right? And so um, we're super excited to uh, to start this. And from a uh, not just from a, uh, a 
we we're we're certain that this is going to be great from a, a, a producing things for the company standpoint. So that's 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 one thing. But then two, um, from a, uh, a we'll say a work life integration standpoint. Never mind work life balance. But what we have built in, what we've decided to build in, is time uh, every hour to break and to go uh, be with people in your life or that you want to be with or just sit for 15 minutes and not have to think about work or to go get, grab a snack or whatever. Uh, we've set up time uh, for lunch and we've set it up so that we can get this work done in a, we're, we're not, we're not going to be uh, uh, coding for 10 hours a day or anything like that. We're, we're, uh, it, it's important that we, that we, everyone on the team has time to spend doing uh, other things that they love to do. Enjoy the sunshine, enjoy your, relationships play with your puppy whatever it is Mm -hmm. um and 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 so we're we're in that we're in that i can't wait to hear how that experiment goes and and what your team produces because i think that's a it's a beautiful example of what we're talking about and a great role model for our our listeners excuse me for my growth edge george there's two things that have come up in the last month or so that are really relevant to this conversation one is that i've I started the year with uh, 14 hard-charging goals, and I was going after them in a really structured, kind of that Confucianist way, and uh, I was burning out. You know, I'm, I'm training people and coaching people on not burning out and being in flow state, and I was diffuse in my focus, and I had to do the very, very difficult uh, process of letting go of some of the things I'm working on. Right now, I've put the book, my book on flow, on hold so that I can focus on some things that are more present and more imminent. And that's an example of that adaptability of just, I could keep trying to build a pin that'll work in space and push, 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 but it it just made more sense to rationalize and more clearly prioritize what I'm working on. The other thing, maybe even more significantly to this conversation is I have a tendency to be very Confucianist in my scheduling. I have, as you know, I've got spreadsheets that track everything from my heart rate to my respiratory rate, to my HRV, to what time I go to bed and when I eat and what my blood ketone levels are and about, feels like a thousand different metrics. I time block myself into infinity. I have everything planned out. <clears throat> I saw this, uh, this movie, the Netflix adaptation of The Little Prince, I don't know if you saw that, but there's a part where the girl's mother has plotted the rest of her life out on a wall. She's planned it out every day and year for the rest of her life. And that's been how I've you know, done things on one hand. I get very rigorously structured. And then, of course, what will happen is li- either life will show up, which it does, some unforeseen circumstance, some natural rhythm of life will show up, or I'll just get, I'll rebel against the structure and then I'll flip to the other side and be completely without structure. Um, I've done this in my in my career. I've left companies and gone and lived, you know, on an island in Belize for a year, or I've lived in uh, Thailand for a year, you know, just to be completely the opposite. What I'm finding at this stage of my life is having a light structure, super clear intentionality, clear goals, but a flexible, spontaneous approach is hard. It's very hard. But that's the path for me. And that's my growth edge as I'm working to, to find that in in every coaching conversation, as I mentioned, that's the challenge. You know, I have a very clear commitment to a client getting the result. 
but just being present, being focused and being adaptable um, is, is priceless. So light structures, not heavy structures, not no structure. That's my, that's my big growth edge. Love it. Love it. Uh, are we in a good place to, uh, just to say goodbye? Yeah, I really appreciate you, George. I appreciate our listeners. I really appreciated this conversation, and I hope this makes a difference for everyone. It will. It will. Awesome. Thanks, John. Beautiful. Be well, everyone. Bye.